Welcome back to the Get and Grit podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. So who is the saint and who is the sinner? Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain was deep in thought. Retreat was not an option, but neither was staying here. Turning his back to the rebels, he looked down the line in his men and said, Fix bayonets. Execute a great right wheel of the entire regiment. Swing the left first. One of Chamberlain's officers was confused. He said, Sir, what's a great right wheel? The sergeant charged said, He means to charge, son. A great right wheel is an all-out charge. Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain was an American college professor who would become a college president and later on governor of the state of Maine. He became a highly respected and decorated Union officer, reaching the rank of Brigadier General during the Civil War. Nobody would have guessed that the 34-year-old Chamberlain, an unassuming rhetoric professor with a stutter, would be a war hero, leading the 20th Maine with a thousand men strong. Wounded six times during the Civil War, having had six horses shot out from under him, Chamberlain proved to be skilled, tough as nails, and a very respected officer, not only by his own men, but by his enemies. Best known for his stand at the Battle of Gettysburg with the 20th Maine on Little Round Top, where he was ordered to defend the left flank of the Union's Army of the Potomac at all costs, where also, if the Confederates gained control of that line that the 20th Maine was defending, they would outflank and destroy the Union's Army of the Potomac. If such were accomplished, the Confederacy would take the battle, ultimately take Washington, win the war, and the great experiment called America would be no more. Men of the Alabama 15th and 47th, with their famous rebel yell, begin their charges up Little Round Top around 2.30 p.m. on a hot, sticky afternoon, July 2nd, 1863. The 20th Maine would face four heroic charges before the fifth one broke over the wall and thus turned into a hand-to-hand fighting with fists, knives, and gun butts. Miraculously, the men from Maine pushed the rebels back, dead bodies lying everywhere. They had left Maine with a thousand men, but only three hundred survived by the time they reached this, the second day at Gettysburg. Now there were only eighty standing with Colonel Chamberlain. Thinking to himself that the only real advantage he had in this situation was that he was a stubborn man a man who had deep within himself the inability to do nothing. He was a man of action. Union scouts reported they're forming up right now, and they've been reinforced. There's more of them this time. Yes, there were. They had reinforcements from a Texas regiment. Ammunition was low, maybe one, two rounds per man for the boys from Maine. And there would be no such help for these men against the odds. It was just overwhelming. The Confederate Gray began their sixth assault on Little Round Top. Chamberlain's men pressed him for an order. Stepping up on top of the rock wall in full view of the enemy, he was in deep thought. We can't retreat. We can't stay here. I must act. He turned his back to the enemy and looked down the line, giving the order fix bayonets. Execute a great right wheel of the entire regiment. Swing the left side first. Do it now. Then turning to the enemy below, he drew his sword, slicing it through the air with a might from a stubborn power and courage that overcame him. 
He yelled, charge, charge, charge. And the rhetoric professor, with a stutter, burst from the wall with 80 men of Maine and into the glorious annals of history. A Confederate lieutenant aimed his pistol at Chamberlain's head and narrowly missed. Chamberlain placed his sword at the lieutenant's throat and took him prisoner. In less than 10 minutes, the 20th Maine had captured over 400 Confederate soldiers who were convinced that armies don't charge without superior numbers. The Confederate commander of the the 15th Alabama, Colonel William Oates, admitted his troops ran like a herd of wild cattle during the retreat. Historians note, according to Andy Andrews in his book, The Butterfly Effect, How Your Life Matters, if the Confederates take Little Round Top, they take the battle, the war, within three months, America ends up like a condensed version of Europe, a confederation of separate small countries. In the 20th century, there is no nation to stand in the gap, strong and wealthy enough to fight two wars at one time. Britain falls to Hitler, as does all of Europe. The Pacific Theater falls to Hirohito in Japan, because there is no United States of America. Later in the war at Petersburg in July of 1864, a bullet slammed through Chamberlain's groin and left him mortally wounded. Miraculously surviving a nighttime battlefield surgery, Chamberlain considered his options while healing, but chose to return to the battlefield. He was awarded the honor of accepting the Confederate infantry surrender at Appomattox Courthouse. As the Confederate troops marched up the road, Chamberlain, on his own initiative, ordered his men to attention and to carry arms as a salute to the vanquished but respected foe. Showing the Confederates yet utmost respect, Confederate General John B. Gordon called Chamberlain one of the knightliest soldiers of the Federal Army. Chamberlain was awarded the Medal of Honor for his gallant stand at Little Round Top during the Battle of Gettysburg in 1893, 30 years after the battle. He eventually died in 1914 as a result of the complications from the wounds he had received 50 years earlier in Petersburg. Thus, he's considered the final casualty of the Civil War. Chamberlain also had many flaws, much like you and me, and we could spend the hours debating his, like others could debate ours. So who is the saint, and who is the sinner? Andy Andrews writes of Chamberlain's words in his book, The Traveler's Gift. I have deep within me the inability to do nothing. I may die today, but I will not die with a bullet in my back. I will not die in retreat. I am at least like the Apostle Paul who wrote, this one thing I do, I press toward the mark. We ask who is the saint? Is he not also a sinner? Who is the sinner? May he not also be on his path to becoming a saint? The school teacher's words still echo all the way down from Maine, calling us into action as if to this sainthood. Fix bayonets. And yes, he means to charge, son. Ain't it so? This is Getting Grit signing off. I hope you'll come see us at www.gritquest.com. Join one of our events. Subscribe to this podcast. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vobiscum.